Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fork Christian Church. So glad that you guys are here today. Um, My name is uh, Brian Hay. Uh, If you came for Brian Ham, sorry, he's not here today. Brian has off. Uh, He's done a fantastic job over the last four weeks, though, wouldn't you say? Is that just me? I've been so appreciative of his teaching and uh, just the way that um, he brings so much grace to this position and so much leadership. So uh, us on staff are on fire for him. I hope you guys feel the same way. So Yay for Brian Hay, very appreciative of him. Also, this morning uh, was supposed to be Virgil. Um, I'm not him either. So Virgil uh, came down with a uh, good old-fashioned case of laryngitis. That still happens. Everyone thinks it's COVID-related. No. (laughs) So he lost his voice. He wishes he could be here. Uh, It might be an interesting sermon if he actually gave it, but not here today. So here I am, uh, very grateful for uh, Virgil preparing the sermon. Um, But here we are. We are in the middle of our Choose This, Not That series. So what do you guys want to talk about? (laughs) Is Is there anything that has not been covered yet. Virgil started this uh, in the middle of June, middle, beginning of June, something like that. And over the last several weeks, we've tried to drive home the idea that there are some choices that we make in our daily lives that will literally determine whether we live our best life or if they will rob us of life or if the choices we make will help others live their best lives or if our choices will intentionally, or a lot of times unintentionally, rob them of their best lives. And it's been an important reminder to us as Christians that the choices in our daily lives can either stand in direct opposition to Christ, or they can reflect the very nature and example of Christ for our troubled world to see. Some of those decisions we've talked about are to choose grace, not judgment, Uh, Choose contentment, not greed. Choose unity, not division. It's been good stuff that we've heard over the past few weeks. And if you've missed any of the previous six weeks before this, please go look it up online. Uh, They've all been uh, fantastic. This has been an outstanding series. Um, But this morning, we are wrapping up the teaching series with choose peace, not anxiety. Choose peace, not anxiety. We are living in very troubled times right now. Uh, All you need to do is watch the news and it's troubled times. Get on social media, troubled times everywhere. You don't have to listen to conversations among friends very long or very hard to hear lives that are just full of trouble. Just think about your own life, your own situations, your own circumstances. Do you ever experience any of these? Stress, worry, fear, uneasiness, nervousness, apprehension, dread, doubt, despair, or hopelessness. Some of you are checking those off in your head as I went through them. Some of you even got perfect tens out of what I just read. When left unchecked, any and all of those can lead to or be the result of anxiety. And whether one of those 
experiences, the occasional unhealthy struggle, or the debilitating clinical diagnosis, the trap of anxiety becomes a vicious cycle which robs you of the life that Jesus has called you to live. And it is a trap, anxiety. And sometimes when you word it that way, people think that you're saying like, oh, you're, you're choosing anxiety. And a lot of times you are. I know that that's not the case 100% of the time. I'm not saying that all you got to do is not choose it and then you won't be anxious anymore. A card-carrying anxiety medicine member right here, 30 milligrams a day, okay? I have pretty bad anxiety. But a lot of times we actively make the choice because it feels like a safe haven to have anxiety because it feels like we're being prepared for something. As we read through that list, some of you literally felt the anxiety creeping in and you felt it closing in. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I always hate it when that happens in the middle of a sermon. Like, yeah, who here uh, feels, you know, a lot of fear? And everyone's got, me? No. Uh, But I guarantee that some of you need to experience God's peace right now. So let's take a moment. Let's breathe. Relax. Let go, if even for a second, of the anxiety that you walked in with. Choose this, not that. Choose peace, not anxiety. In the book of Psalms, chapter 139, David, second king of Israel, writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, I might be way off in my thinking, but I guess is that most of you, most of us actually, don't need any help from anyone else to tell us what our anxious thoughts are, right? Where our anxiety swirls in our lives. We don't need anyone to tell us what keeps us up at night. We don't need anyone to tell us what makes us avoid certain conversations with other people. We don't need anyone to tell us why we go to the doctor all the time or why we refuse to see a doctor. Same thing with therapy, while we're constantly in therapy, or why we refuse to see a therapist. We don't need anyone to tell us in which ways we fear the worst, in which ways we expect the worst, in which ways we plan for the worst. We don't need anyone to tell us what we genuinely believe are the absolute worst case life scenarios that we feel in our hearts, play out in our minds, and then carry out in our actions. Even if we might not want to call it anxiety, we know our anxious thoughts. And we know that anxious thoughts lead to anxious attitudes. Anxious attitudes lead to anxious behavior. And those behaviors, a lot of times, keep us from doing and going and working and caring and giving and living the way that Jesus wants us to live. Test me. David writes, and know my anxious thoughts. I once heard a counselor say that anxiety or anxiousness is a coping mechanism. That's an interesting way to think about it, a coping mechanism that we use it to help us navigate or exercise control over the hurts and harms in our lives. But in the end, I could be wrong, but... Doesn't it just feel like anxiety ends up controlling us? 
this coping mechanism that we put in place, it just feels like it's in control of us in the end. Anxiety is crouched and ready and waiting to meet us in the middle of our unchecked, unaddressed, and unresolved emotions. Emotions like fear, nervousness, stress, uneasiness, uncertainty, some of which are designed by God to provide us with caution or to help us to make common sense choices. And while it's true that people get these emotions, if processed properly, can provide protection, can sometimes give clarity, even trigger fight or flight responses in our brains and our bodies if the situation does warrant it. It's also true that those feelings, when they are left unchecked, uncontrolled, but more importantly, unsurrendered, they lead to anxiety, which then becomes our coping mechanism, our crutch, our escape from the emotions that seek to own us. And once it has us in in its grip, anxiety usually triggers unhealthy response and it leads to worry and it leads to dread and it leads to doubt. It leads to despair. And a lot of times it leads to just complete hopelessness. Our anxious thoughts may all be felt at different levels and in varying degrees. For some, the manifestations are physical, like restlessness or tension or rapid heartbeat, breaking out in sweat. It may bring about a debilitating mind-numbing emotional paralysis that renders one nearly unable to function. Maybe one one or more of these anxiety characteristics belongs to you. Maybe all of them do. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. If we allow God to search us, I wonder, what would he uncover? Especially when we're talking about anxious thoughts. If you allow God to search you right now, to search all of your anxious thoughts, what's God going to reveal to you? When we stress about underperforming at the job or on the flip side of that, stress about not being there enough for our families, nervous about getting a nagging cough checked out by a doctor, fearful of losing our spouse, when our thoughts lead us to the most possible extreme, one that's completely out of our control. Can you guys relate to that? Anyone here ever felt like that before? If you have or currently are experiencing any kind of anxiety, don't you just, you know the feeling of just wanting to have peace, peace about all of it. I'm gonna take this verse a little bit farther and just go one verse over because I feel like the answer might be there. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Here's a harsh reality. No matter what type of anxiety, what level of anxiety you experience, it does stand in the way of your relationship with Jesus because it keeps you from seeing yourself 
as Christ sees you. And it keeps you from reflecting the image of Christ to other people. So let this be your prayer today and every day. As David wrote when he's talking about his anxious thoughts and his offensive ways, just one verse later, he says, lead me along the path of everlasting life. In fact, that's so important. Let's say that together. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Wow, that was really dull. I feel like I'm in a monastery. Can we try that again one more time? Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Thank you. Jeez. We could spend weeks talking about the emotions that can lead us to anxiety and rob us of life, but how often do we actually ask God to lead us along the path to everlasting life in the midst of those situations? How many people here feel like they're worriers? Naturally. Someone laughed. That should give you <laughs> that should give you an idea. Yeah. I feel like I'm definitely a worrier. Do you fret? Do you panic? Are you overly concerned with things in your life? Do the what ifs of life keep you from actually living life? Because worry left unchecked will lead to anxiety. Worry left unchecked will lead to anxiety. In the New Testament uh, part of our Bibles, we're reminded over and over that when we're walking with Jesus and seeking after him, although we may still choose to, Jesus himself tells us we no longer need to worry. Let's dig in the scripture real quick. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 29. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. Not everything you want, selfishly, but everything you need. Before I worked for Fork, I worked for a parachurch ministry, and we had to fundraise our entire salaries. Fundraise a full-time salary. And there were many years that three to four months out of the year, I did not get paid. And I had a family. I had a wife, and I had a daughter that I had to take care of. And I stressed 
But in a position like that, all you can do is give it over to God. And we had everything that we needed. Not everything that we wanted. I don't have a DeLorean that looks like the one from Back to the Future. But everything that we needed, for sure. It's simple, but it's necessary. It almost seems too simplistic. But when you think of it, it's profound. God has you covered. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, above your propensity to doubt, above your inclination to stress, above your tendency to worry about everything. And he will give you everything you need. Some of you might struggle with that. So let's take a moment, breathe, relax, let go of even for just a second of the anxious thoughts that you walked in with. Here's another question. Are any of you afraid? Do any of you find yourselves living in fear? There's a lot to be afraid of right now, right? I'm not talking about the haunted house or scary movie kind of fear, though that's fun with jump screams and things like that, but the kind of fear that is attached to like an uneasiness or nervousness or apprehension because fear left unchecked will lead to anxiety. There's an account in the life of Jesus that Matthew, Mark, and Luke record for us. And I love this story. I love this story because it is a story of us. It's a story that reminds us how easy it is to allow emotion to become Lord over us instead of allowing Jesus to be Lord over our emotion. And it's a story that points out just how easily we choose anxiety over peace. It's a story that shows the humanity of the disciples and the power of our Savior. Mostly, I love it because it shows us that the one who brings true peace is always close at hand. We could start it in Mark 4. It starts out this way. Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat, and sat in it out in the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And then we'll pick up with the account right there in uh, chapter four, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The, disciple, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey them. Now, there are some seasoned fishermen on this boat in this story. Guys who knew how to handle a boat and how to handle a boat in the middle of the storm. 
but they were still full of fear. They faced a situation that they have faced many times before, and they were still full of fear. Does this sound like life to any of you? These were guys who just spent the day hearing about Jesus's kingdom and what being a part of that kingdom looked like. I'm guessing they hopped in that boat after a day of great preaching, all fired up about their faith. Haven't we all felt that way before? They're in the boat. In their presence was their teacher, their Messiah, their Lord. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen him perform miracles. But the text tells us that a furious squall came up. For those not familiar with the term squall, there's a movie called Squall that you could see if you wanted to. But otherwise, it's a storm. Okay? Furious storm came up. Maybe in your struggle with anxiety, that's where you found yourself in the past. Or maybe that's where you find yourself today. You have experience with this. You've been down this road a time or two. You think you know how to handle what life throws at you. You've been in the middle of a storm that you've been in many, many times before. You've got maturity. You've been chasing after Jesus for a while, trying to live like him, trying to love him. You know that he has promised to never leave you, but then all of a sudden, there is a furious storm. Haven't we all been there before? We've all been through storms, figuratively as well as literally. I mean, we were all just in one like a week and a half ago. Everyone remember that storm? I had so much hail on my back porch, I thought it was going to shatter my window. The roads around me closed down for so many downed trees. There were people without power. There are probably still people without power, from what I understand. There were trees down. It was just a disaster. It was a mess. Mark tells us that the storm was so bad that the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Worry was mixed with fear. Adrenaline kicks in. Row harder. Bail faster. We know what we're doing because we've all been there before. I have been through bad storms before. I've been through places where storms caused flooding. I've experienced storms where I've had to set up camp with my family in the basement because we don't know what's going to happen with the trees and the wind around us. To make sure I have a generator, I have flashlights, we have food, we're prepared, all that good stuff. But I have never been in a storm at sea. Choppy bay waters in a river? Yes, once. Rain while I'm in the middle of a canoe in a river? Yes, once. Torrential rain while I'm driving on 95? Yes, probably a lot of us. And I have a good story about that that I'll tell you in a second. But I've never been in a storm at sea. These guys are in a boat and they're in a storm. This is where the story takes an interesting twist and here's where we often find ourselves. Here's where healthy, self-preserving fear turns into irrational anxiety. This is where adrenaline turns into paralysis. Jesus' closest followers the emotion of the moment becomes their Lord of that moment. And their hearts begin to be be crippled with their fear and with their worry. 
and they let their minds race to the absolute worst possible case scenario of their situation, and then they plan on the worst actually happening. Does that sound familiar to any of you? If you're anything like me, I know it does. The disciples woke Jesus and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? This isn't just fear. This is anxiety at its best. Seeing the worst outcome and then just planning on it. It's not, do you think we're going to drown? It's, don't you care if we'll drown? They are confident that they're going to drown. And they just want to make sure that Jesus is okay with it. Jesus is not okay with those anxious thoughts, though. Especially when we know that he is on the boat with us. No matter what storm you're going through, he's not simply in the boat with you. He's alongside you through the entire thing. He brings you peace in that storm. The last time that I was in a storm as big as the one that happened like a week or a week and a half ago, I was driving on 95. Okay, northbound 95, not far from the city. Torrential downpour, hail all of a sudden. And I'm not sure exactly what went wrong, but uh, my hood became unlatched and flew up and smashed into my windshield. And there were just spider webs on the glass everywhere. And the downpour was so bad, I tried to brake. And the car behind me was not seeing me brake and was accelerating at a tremendous, tremendous rate. I was all the way in the right lane and there was construction in the right lane. You know, because construction never stops on 95. And I am in a position where without being able to see anything, I have to change lanes all the way to the left in the middle of this downpour with a hood in my face. And I thought I was going to die. Fear took me over. And I asked myself, like, is this it? Am I going to die right now? Am I going to cause all of the other people on this road to die? What did the mechanic do wrong that made my hood fly up? Things like that. And I would like to think that I was brave. I would like to think that I was calm in the middle of that storm or that I was at peace. But I can't lie, I was absolutely terrified. And just like the disciples in their storm and just like you in your storm, my terror quickly turned to anxiety as uncertainty for my life took over. And I began to question if I was not only going to make it out of this, but if I was going to make it home or make it to whatever a next step in life was. As I imagined in that moment, the absolute worst case scenario. And I thought for a minute that I was going to be like sucked up into a tornado or something. The storm had to have been that bad. I would have looked out the, the, you know, passenger window or the driver window and seen like the wicked witch and that the, you know, everything would just slowly be stuck, sucked up into this uh, tornado. We have things going on in our lives, things going on in our worlds. There are major, major storms that we encounter. There are little storms and there are storms that are currently rocking us right now. Storms that are going to terrify us and they're going to want to tear us down and they're going to want to tear at our faith 
Satan wants us to live a life of anxiety. He will use people to feed and fuel our anxiousness. He will use events in the world to feed and fuel our worry. He will use the trouble in our lives to feed and fuel our fear. But God wants to strip away our fear. God wants to strip away our worry. And God wants to strip away the anxiety that we live with. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we want to live our best life in Christ, we have to make an active choice to choose peace, not anxiety. Because anxiety will take over if we do not make that, that, that choice. So how do we do that? Here's two practical ways. One, recognize the irrational. Recognize what's irrational in your life. And then two, focus on the relational. Don't be anxious about anything. Recognize the irrational. Ask yourself, what causes the what ifs in your life? What if this happens? What if that happens? Ask yourself, what emotions lord over you instead of Jesus being lord over them? Ask yourself, what thoughts occupy the majority of your time? What causes you the most stress and leaves you the most defeated? And then ask a, a friend or a counselor if your concerns are rational or irrational. Sometimes we have to lean on people for those things. But pray in every situation. And you have to focus on the relational. Paul just told us in every situation through prayer and petition, every situation I should pray, so should you. When you have worry, pray. When you have fear, pray. When you have doubt, guess what? Pray. When you don't know how it's going to turn out, you pray. When you assume, assume the worst, you pray. When you believe in a bad outcome in your situation more than Jesus's ability to see you through it, pray. Just as Jesus calmed the sea and brought peace to his troubled followers, he wants to bring peace to you and your anxiety. And he will if we let him. So let's choose peace and not anxiety as we move from here today. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and for him being our peace. We thank you for being our peace when the amount of money in the bank is not what we wish it was. We thank you for being our peace when the medical diagnosis isn't what we wish it was. We thank you for being our peace when our marriage is hurting and struggling, when our kids are in rebellion, when we don't know what to do with our 20-year-old or our 12-year-old or our two-year-old. We thank you for being our peace in the middle of every storm that we encounter, Lord. And I just pray that as we move from here, we seek you out in those situations. 
it's in your son's name we lift these up. Amen.